Hello and welcome to the Bucket Problem, episode twenty-six. I am your host, Ace Ambender. Very pumped up, uh, and uh, Michigan is Big Ten champions. Uh, the final score of the Big Ten championship game is Michigan forty-two, Iowa three. That is uh, a tremendous ass kicking, and Michigan is now number two in the college football playoff rankings. And yes, very much playoff bound. And facing Georgia in the Orange Bowl on New Year's Eve, uh, which is super convenient for everybody. Um, But we're not here to complain. We are here to celebrate. We are brought to you, uh, as always, by Homefield Apparel, PointsBet, and the Blue Wire Podcast Network. And I am joined this week by Connor and Dan. Uh, Welcome, fellas. And uh, Dan, I know I think you were there. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, yeah, so I went up on, uh, I got tickets uh, shortly after the Ohio State game. Um, went up, I used used up all of my like Christmas present, birthday present, like all credit, credit that I had to be able to afford those tickets. Um, and uh, went up to, um, went down to Indianapolis on uh, Saturday morning, uh, got there around noon. Uh, drank all day um, with a bunch of my friends from college, uh, my girlfriend and some of their girlfriends. Um, had a really nice time in Indy. Uh, really, it, by, by the way, I got a shout out to like, Indy does a really good job hosting events. That's like, apparently that's like the main thing that they do. Yes. Um, and I don't, I don't mean that as like a, a, any kind of like underhanded, you know, backhanded compliment. It was actually really nice and everything flowed really smoothly. Um, but yeah, so we uh, we're out drinking all day. Um, there's open carry in Indianapolis, so you can just like walk around with an open beer, which is so sick. Every city should have that. Um, I don't see any potential downsides. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so and then we we uh, headed to the game. Um, pretty much like there were more Iowa fans than I thought there would be in Indianapolis. But once we got into the game, it felt like it was about 80, 20 Michigan. Um, the vibes were insanely good um, all day. Uh, saw a couple of Ohio state fans, um, that was super mean to them. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, it was awesome. And then, you know, I mean, as it, getting off to that fast start with, you know, the, a- after the, um, halfback pass to, uh, halfback pass from, from Edwards to, uh, Roman Wilson, you know, the vibes are just, you know, it's pretty much a celebration from that point on, um, the entire fourth quarter was, uh, just, you know, uh, sing Mr. Brightside and, and all that. And, um, yeah, it was great. I mean, we're all just in disbelief. Um, I've been on cloud nine, you know, pretty much all week since then. Um, and uh, I just, I literally, I don't know when the last time I just watched ESPN. Like, I don't, I'm not really a big, like, oh, watch sports center guy, but I, I literally have just been like watching ESPN and sports center basically since then. Cause I keep like, I just like seeing them like talk about Michigan um, so much. <laughs> it's like, I'm just like a baby that like needs his uh, constant, like, you know, Michigan football <laughs> content. Um, like on a, on basically yeah. an IV drip. Um, so <laughs> yeah, between, I, uh, I'm doing great between that and you saying that you used your birthday and Christmas money to get to the game, you're not doing much to dispel the whole thing about you being like 14 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, you, I, 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 it was, I'm not saying like, Oh, like it was a big, you know, but I basically was like, whatever anyone was going to give me, I just need to, like, it's, yeah, it was I mean, not, it, you can't draw down your Vanguard index funds to go to that game. Like, <laughs> exactly. They won't, they won't let you do that. Um, they, they won't, that's not, that doesn't count as like, you know, a, a, uh, a tax exempt um, use of, uh, 
<laughs> use of like retirement savings. Um, it, it still sounds like you are far too young to be drinking all day, Dan. <laughs> I, I have two, I have a couple notes here though about Dan's trip. Number one, I can't get the image of those Ohio State fans out of my mind. Like, think about the brain you have to have to wander around during a Big Ten championship game weekend that you're not participating in. Um, after, you know, your fan base has been cast into sort of disintegrating disarray by, by losing to Michigan to like walk around in your Ohio state gear in Indy. Like that's a, that's a really special type of person. I do. <laughs> I respect the level of spite that goes into it, but I do feel like that is maybe just a, a bit too much effort to go <laughs> to. Uh... I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> that just I was... you have nothing better to do with your time, which I guess a lot of Ohio state fans don't. So, Hey. Yeah, yeah, I think that better spite move would be just to eat the ticket <laughs> and the hotel room. <laughs> I, I think I was trying to like walk my way through it, you know, and the first thing I thought was like, okay, well, maybe they bought tickets beforehand, you know, and and like just had, you know, had the tickets. But I'm like, you, they could have sold those tickets for like double, double their value, assuming they got them early. You know, like tickets were, ticket prices were sky high all week. Um and then I'm just like, like, how are you having fun? Like, how is this fun for you? You know, like, did they come like hoping Michigan would lose? I mean, is that even fun for them? Like, haven't you had a nice enough nice things in, in your like fandom <laughs> that you don't need to like come to Indianapolis? And like, you, like they, they were like trying to like, you know, of course they're getting heckled. Like, what do you expect? You know? And, and haven't like, you had enough bad things in the, your last week that you don't want to like hit your wagon to Iowa's offense? Yeah, exactly. And they were like, they're like, oh, one and eight, one eight. I'm like, you're not playing this weekend. Like, what are you? Like, you're not. Why here. are you here? Like, yeah. I was like, Rock seems like they're doing all that about like, oh, you guys have won one in the last ten years, and it's like, I thought your whole thing with us was that we lived in the past, guys. Like, <laughs> yeah. I thought uh, I thought we were supposed to be the fan base that was always talking about old shit. Now that's you guys. Look, we've now won two Ohio State games in the high definition television era, so we're not hearing that shit anymore. <laughs> yeah, I also, Dan, I'm also impressed that you made it. To this podcast taping because you had to go to Indy and you know party your ass off and then you had to fly to New York City to pick up all the Kenneth Walker the third Heisman ballots yeah so some personal news I have uh, I've accepted a position uh in the at, with the Heisman committee um counting ballots um <laughs> and I think I'm doing a really good job um everyone says that I'm doing a really good job <laughs> uh I, I it's it's me and uh, oh shit me and oh fuck what's the uh, uh, it's me and Mitch album are uh, both got jobs <laughs> in the, uh, the the Heisman vote counting department um, and I think you know you yeah Mitch I mean, Eisen and Nicole Auerbach and the rest of the blue wall. <laughs> <laughs> I deeply appreciate that you briefly forgot Mitch album's name. Uh, thank uh, you. Look, I have uh, how old am I? Like fifty five? Never never read a Mitch album book. <laughs> you have not sat down with Tuesdays with Maury. <laughs> No, I'm no, gonna send this not. audio. We're gonna send this audio to Graham Couch so he can stop the steal. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, the best part about you know what? Okay, I well let's let's go to a little bit of a Graham Couch um um tangent here. He's actually like not an MSU, like he is an MSU homer, but the funny thing is now that I've like gotten more like into you know the MSU like Twitter sphere, 
He's actually like a huge contrarian and everyone on MSU Twitter hates him because of it. Like he's the one that'll be like, you know, I'm not sure like if MSU really deserve, like he, he, he always has like the, the contrarian, like annoying take. You are uh, too MSU young Twitter. to remember that he advocated for Alex Carter of Western Michigan as the best quarterback in the state of Michigan in a year when Denard Robinson and Kirk Cousins were also starting quarterbacks in the state. <laughs> That that, wow. that rules. I mean, no, I do. No, I actually do remember that. That was like the first year that I was like really tuned in. <laughs> God damn um, it! <laughs> uh, but and I remember that was the year that we like beat the crap out of Alex Carter too. Yeah, no, that, that also happened. Like, he had to play Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> that rules because it's like you have to like you want to have like the the um the notion of like being impartial or whatever. So it's like okay, let me piss everyone off. Um, yeah, no, I think Graham. I've, I've come full three sixty on Graham Couch. He rules. Um, <laughs> full so. three sixty. Full one eighty. Whatever. <laughs> you, you understand exactly what I mean, Ace. I don't. Your fancy writing terms and analogies. I don't. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Anyway, yeah. Well, so no, it was it was a great weekend. Had a great time, um, and uh, yeah, I don't I don't think I'll ever die personally. Um, so. <laughs> well, while you're feeling unkillable, do you want to read um, a uh, what appears to be quite a soliloquy from <laughs> your brother? Um, yes. Yeah, so I promised my brother I would read uh, his um, sc- his screed um, on the podcast <laughs> um, for for everyone. I, I know I've talked to my brother before on this podcast, but uh, he is a diehard Michigan fan that um that actually goes to Penn State um but you know has has not taken up much to the chagrin of his all of his roommates and friends has not at all uh deviated from being a Michigan fan and that is sigma behavior dude being a hardcore Michigan fan at Penn State is like ultimate sigma male it's so fucking alpha I would absolutely not have the balls to do that (laughs) um but yeah here let me I'll, I'll go ahead and start um so he's he says uh so I went to Indiana Indiana and Penn State Allegedly, I I may go there, but I'm not a Penn State fan at all. Maryland and Ohio State. So he went to the last four games of Michigan, (laughs) of Michigan football. He was a perfect 4-0, 4-0 against all the spreads. No big deal. Uh, I left it to Dan to bring home the Big Ten title last weekend, and it looked awesome for all the Wolverine fans in attendance. I'm so happy for the team, Jim especially, coaches and fans, us, LOL. This owns so hard, and I will never forget it. Being at the Ohio State game was the best moment of my life and getting to go on the field. They finally did it, and it was more awesome than I ever dreamt in my wildest dreams. Um, I was 0-3 in person at the game prior to that and remember all the way back to to 2008's ass-kicking in Columbus and 2009 Tate Forcier turnover fest was even worse. I was actually there for that. I cried. I was 10. So, yes, I did dream. God, you guys Um, are so young. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> some observations especially having been in person the gap control by now he's just like he has this whole like emotional thing and he's <laughs> getting into like extra nose doing that yeah i love by it. the way like j- just for like context like you might you get you people might think that like i'm a freak about this my brother is an absolute like he makes me look very tame um so some observations <laughs> he's also a very good high school quarterback who definitely knows ball i've seen his oh tape. yeah he's good yeah, he was, it was really good. He was really good. Um, some observations, especially having been in person, the gap control by interior, uh, the interior lineman has been tremendous. Ojaba and Hutch are phenomenal. But how many times in the in the best in the, in the past have we gotten pressure against JT Barrett and Braxton Miller or hell even Terrell Pryor? But they've stepped up and scrambled. Granted, we haven't played running quarterbacks quite as good as that. 
but their dominance in uh, in maintaining leverage has been huge for tackles for tackles for loss in general. On offense, Haskins' vision has improved dramatically. Yes, there's occasional occasionally a miscut, but his patience is remarkable. So is Corum's. He's vastly improved from 2019, uh, missing wide open holes uh, like the Haskat versus Ohio. Like he he literally can't let go of like all these like, <laughs> no, he minor things. It's so funny. Um, <laughs> then then his toughness through tackles is obviously unmatched and is enormous for 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 UM staying on schedule and in manageable third downs for Cade. Give Cade his respect, by the way. He's the best quarterback of the Harbaugh era, and I will air out and will not hear otherwise. But to summarize, Hassan is damn near Mike Hart. I said it. Lastly, on special teams, Moody is awesome. He makes all his extra points, which is huge. And it's 90% plus on field goals, which is crazy good for college. He has great range and shows his leg more uh, than he gets credit for on kickoffs as his hang time coupled with distance is great for field position advantage. Lots of touchbacks and eliminating elite athletes from the opposition's kick return. Money Moody, truly. A good um, like okay. 30% <laughs> of that analysis was spent on Jake Moody. Good, you literally. Uh, um, so yeah. last last one here. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry I'm going long. I love listening to you guys. Easily my favorite Michigan podcast. I wake up and attack the day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind on days the pod drops. Also, Connor, I miss our interactions on Twitter.com. But now that Michigan is one of is on the verge of making the national championship, I think it's best that respectfully you stay off. I'm sorry, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, great balance of expertise, tremendous chemistry, and nice variety of sports coverage from you all. Great work, and please do keep it up. You're too. So fast. that's that's that is from uh, my brother. That is a that is a tremendous wow. Thing, dude. Thank you um, so much, Josh. That honestly meant yeah. I want to say like that honestly meant a lot to me because I know what a hardcore fan you are, Josh, and um, I know that you know football, and I know that you also know Michigan po- football podcasts. And I will be more than happy to stay off of Twitter until this football season is over, and hopefully it ends the national championship. Um, that brought a tear to my eye. Thank you for doing that, Dan, and thank <laughs> you, Josh. Yeah, I think the key takeaway is that Connor needs to stay off Twitter. Um, that was the main thing I got out of that. <laughs> yes. So other than staying off of Twitter, Connor, what is your big mood of the week? Uh, so I'm going to do my thing that I've been doing where I kind of sneak two in for one. But um, I'll segue into my written down one by saying uh, it was very funny and disorienting to like that moment when we thought that um, – Rod Moore might get disqualified for targeting. Um, and he's lucky he didn't because I think letter, letter of the law that probably counted, even though it wasn't a very hard hit. Could have gone either um, way. Yeah, I mean, it's helmet to helmet. Whatever. I, yeah. I, the kid, there was no real danger to and it. And it's targeting it's roulette. Fine, so, like, who knows? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, anyway, like, I find myself like distressed. Like, we might lose Rod Moore for the rest of this game, which would be bad even though we're up. Then we wouldn't have Rod Moore for the first half of the college football playoff. And you catch yourself and you're like, I am worried that we're going to be without a freshman three-star safety <laughs> um, in the in the nat, you know, the college football playoff. And that's the moment when you realize that this is one of the all-time like player development stories. This whole team is one of the all-time player development stories you'll ever see in college football. Just like how every single guy in the team has gotten better and and most of them are like the best possible version of themselves relative to how many years they've been at the program. And it's just continues to astound me. And I, and I will build on that with my actual big mood, which is like on paper, Michigan may not have a top five offense in the country. Um, you know, they have shellacked their last two opponents. Uh, one of which had a good defense, Iowa, the other one did not that being Ohio state. Um, and they destroyed Maryland also, obviously. Um, I, I think what's remarkable about it for me is like they they add some they add stuff right so against Ohio State they used a million different 
run concepts. I mean, they had a pro level array of run concepts and that was all they, that was really all they needed though. They had some other stuff too. Um, the flea flicker has been a big thing all year. I think we'll see that when they play Georgia. Um, they add, you know, they add all kinds of stuff, right? Like it's hard to classify this offense because I would say the best way to describe it is it's kind of an updated Stanford offense, but it has a lot of stuff in it that I don't think Harbaugh was using at Stanford. I don't think that particularly that Donovan Edwards halfback pass. I don't know where that really <laughs> comes from. You can only do it if you're, if you have a guy who is enough of a threat to draw defenders and can make that pass, which is rare. Um, there are a lot of quarterbacks was, who can't make that pass. That pass is ridiculous. <laughs> he got yeah, there a lot of smashed when he threw it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if Art Sikowski could, could do that. Um, that was 45 it, yards on a rope. <laughs> yeah, it was beautiful. I mean, it was like, it's it up there for the best, like, uh, running back passes I've ever seen at any level. It might be the best one I've seen. And so, like, that, that my big mood is just, like, this offense, you know, on paper, maybe what it is, but, like, they add so much stuff every time they play. They've only gotten better at a player level um, and at a game planning and play calling level. And I think one of the things we're looking forward to is regardless of the result when they play Georgia, I know I'm going to see some cool shit. Like I know they're going to pull more stuff out. And uh, that's a good feeling to have given that spent several years watching Michigan struggle to run their base offense. And now I am confident that the offense is going to do cool shit every game. That's my big mood. Yeah. I mean, you didn't even mention that Michigan has installed a uh, package for their backup quarterback that actually works, which is like the first time in college football history other than, (laughs) I guess Urban Meyer with Tim Tebow, where that has actually like been pulled off successfully. So the backup uh, quarterback who can outrun the entire Iowa secondary. <laughs> that that was man. I mean, just in a an absurd play. I have because you could see him, you know, gearing up for it, but you're like, he's not gonna like actually get involved in this. <laughs> and for him to, I mean, like Corum, you know, stopped and turned for a moment, but for him to not only get past Corum, but to get in position to block. To, to kind of shield off two different Iowa players. It's just, I yeah, haven't seen anything like he's it. Like, <laughs> he's fast, fast. Like, it's not just like, oh, he's, you know, he's a, he's a mobile quarterback or whatever. He's fast. Um, he is a, in just outside of his arm talent, he's an incredible athlete. Um, and uh, it's, the sky is really the limit for him. Um, and I don't want to talk. I like, I feel bad every time I start talking about him. Cause it makes me sad about Cade McNamara. Um, and I, I don't want to do that. The vibes are just on this day of all days. We, we exactly, we exactly. <laughs> greatly appreciate what Cade McNamara brings to this team. Um, my big mood is that, uh, you know, you're rarely in a situation where you're kind of playing with house money and you're playing for a national championship. And, I don't, I don't think we wanted to acknowledge this factor necessarily heading into Saturday night's game, but I think for most of us, there would have been a certain level of emptiness if Michigan had tripped up against that particular Iowa team, which just looked so vulnerable and like such an ideal matchup for Michigan to just honestly beat the crap out of them like they did. Um, and, uh, you know, coming off of finally beating Ohio State, if they had not kind of finished the deal and won a big 10 title, um, that would have been kind of a brutal way to <laughs> end the, end the regular season. So um, for Michigan to actually take that and get into the playoff um, now, it actually feels like, okay, Michigan's playing Georgia, a team who until last weekend we thought was pretty much unbeatable. Um, like we have the better part of a month to just enjoy what this team has accomplished this season they've hit two. I mean, like the major goals that you would have in any season 
for a Michigan team uh, with reasonable expectations have been accomplished. And now, you know, everything from here, uh, you know, is gravy. Uh, if uh, I almost don't want to say aloud the things that I'm thinking this team could do, but they, they, I mean, they are one of four teams left to play for a national championship. And uh, until the last two years, I mentioned this in my uh, post I put up earlier today. Um, there have only been two number one seeds that have won the college football playoff. That was the last two seasons. Um, before that, uh, three number two seeds had won in, I believe, a five-year span. And number two seeds have won the most playoff titles. So, you know, it looks daunting, but the the college football playoff for how much discussion there is about um, the relative predictability of who's going to make it in. And even though this year has upended things, that is, I, w- I would say, generally still the case. Um, but uh, I don't think people talk enough about how once the field is set, uh, you actually get uh, some pretty surprising results every once in a while. So, uh, and I don't even know how surprising it would be if uh, Michigan beat Georgia, given uh, what Alabama just did to them. Uh, although Vegas uh, would seemingly f- find it to be a relatively big surprise. Um, but for Michigan to be in this position right now, I, I mean, it is all house money. Um, I'm going to try not to say pump it up too much, but um, you've got to pump it up. Yeah, I, I personally feel, you know, look, um, I, I kind of said something like this on Twitter earlier. Um, I think there's a, been a lot of complaining um, and justified complaining about how the college football playoff uh, devalues the regular season and conference championships and uh, traditional rivalries and bowl games and all that. And uh, to me, you know, that's that's only true if that's how you want to look at things um, like I if Michigan wins one more national championship in my lifetime, I, I, I think I, there's, I can't complain about that. You know, winning a national championship is really hard if you're not one of the true um, elite programs uh, in college football. And, you know, hey, hopefully Michigan springboards off this season and, and gets there and then maybe we can have a legitimate shot, you know, year in and year out of that at a national championship. Um, but for right now, you know, I don't want to say like I, I, you know, I don't want to seem content, you know, because you, you got to take your shot. Like when you get an opportunity like this, it doesn't come around every year and you got to you got to roll the dice and, and, you know, give give each team your best shot. But for me, it, the rest of it really is gravy because winning the Big Ten does matter to me a lot, um, you know, and, and beating Ohio State obviously matters to me a lot. Like those are the things that matter about this season. And um, I'm also honestly just happy that I'm going to be able to like watch them play a meaningful game um, in, in, you know, in, uh, in December and, and potentially, you know, early, early January. Um, So, you know, it's, it's all house money. And um, I just, I couldn't be, you know, happier or or prouder of the team. Yeah. I mean, a big part of like, I, I, I think the joy I felt on Saturday night was just knowing like, Hey, like, everyone's watching this. Like they don't really have a choice. Like, like the whole country is watching Michigan just, you know, dominate a big 10 championship game and make their case for, I mean, I I think they had a pretty valid case for a number one spot, although I'm not arguing with Bama getting it. Um, But Michigan really did all they could do in that situation. And, and to, for them to score four touchdowns in their final five possessions, uh, which accounts for their entire second half. Um, that was a really enjoyable way to spend Saturday night was just watching Michigan 
not take their foot off the gas at all, even as they uh, had a substitution uh, report that ended up being two pages long because they <laughs> emptied the bench by the end of this game. Caden Colasar interception, baby. That's the the new ball hawking safety. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I and I think this is like where I want to give some serious advice to my fellow Michigan fans and to myself is we're all aware. Like, I don't think people have already forgotten that the hope for this year was we could like have a winning record. And maybe if everything went well in a few years from now, we'd have a chance to be in this position. Like that was what we were thinking going into the season. Um, and obviously we all know this season exceeded expectations in a way that I will be processing probably for the rest of my sports fandom life, how improbable it feels. But um, the main thing is like, don't transform into those fans who like, let's say that Michigan does go and get stomped by Georgia, which I don't, I expect it to be more competitive than that, but let's say that goes very poorly. Um, do not transform into the fans then who like all of your suffering that you've had about never beating Ohio state, never winning the big 10 gets transferred into like, well, we're just not good enough to compete for a national championship. Like now we're going to mope about that. Like, please, please give yourself a grace period. Of at least, <laughs> I don't know, several years of like similar success, which, you know, may or may not happen in the near future. Like, please just enjoy this. Enjoy that. We have a CFP bid. Enjoy that. We are the uh, third big 10 team to make this college football playoff and have a chance to be the second one to ever score a point in the college football playoff. Uh, <laughs> just please try to enjoy this and enjoy how much we wanted this, even just this chance and how glorious it is and, and try not to turn into, try not to turn bitter. If like, you know, the Georgia game is just not what we want. I mean, this, this is an unprecedented team. They are the first team to make the college football playoff after starting the season unranked. Um, it's hard to overstate the job that the uh, team and coaches have done. Um, I it's been a long time since I've really been like like I I've consumed Michigan football. I would say much more as a media member than a fan for the last several years. But today I sat down and watched a 22 minute long hype video on this season, and I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one who did that and i'm pretty sure a lot of people immediately recognized oh that was that was the two percent to number two video i watched that too um and devoting 22 minutes of your life to a youtube video feels like a lot <laughs> but uh that it's was not, not really that, that's that's usually the length that the uh the highlight videos are most weeks and i, I watch those about five times every every sunday morning so <laughs> well, it's... And then you watch the Michigan State one, so <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we, we we know the true sicko among us, but for most of us, twenty two minutes is a long time to devote to a YouTube video. I I, I don't know. It's like I'm not sure that a twenty two minute mix of pump it up actually counts as a highlight video, but <laughs> that'll be hitting the bucket problem later this week, I'm sure, uh, because I might make it myself. Uh, I apologize. I, you know, I'm beating that one into the ground, but um. <laughs> you've got to dude you've got to pump it up is i mean don't you know yes um speaking of things you must know um home field apparel has the best softest and very much licensed uh collegiate apparel in the business um use the promo code bucket problem for 15 percent off your first order from homefieldapparel.com and if you want an even bigger bonus right now they're in the midst of their 12 days of tease celebration uh, where they are um, discounting one shirt a day for 25% off. Each shirt, uh, as they get introduced, remains on sale through day 12. Um, 
They have featured um, frequent men's basketball non-conference opponent Houston Baptist among the four shirts so far. Uh, they're all good shirts. They threw out a Tennessee one uh, earlier today. Uh, it's pretty fire. Um, home field. They're 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 doing good stuff, and uh, we're being nice to them because, uh, you know, ever since the bucket problem in home field have uh, have started collaborating, um, Michigan is undefeated against Ohio State and has never lost a Big Ten football championship. So we're gonna we're gonna keep that rolling. Um, so that's once again, promo code bucket problem, 15% off your first order from homefieldapparel.com. We're going to keep talking about the Iowa game. This was another just phenomenal game plan from Josh Gaddis and uh, a great job of play calling. Um, not that it was really necessary. <laughs> I don't think they, they probably could have run, I don't know, power every single play of the game and, and pulled this one out. But, um, they decided to do a whole lot more than that. We got um, the halfback pass for a touchdown, which apparently they had been uh, they'd had in the bag for the last seven weeks, and had been working on it and uh, just waiting for the right situation to break that one out. Um, you had uh, once again just great timing with the the JJ McCarthy stuff, and uh, I mean Michigan overcomes some kind of like not tremendous down-to-down play to get a number of big plays in this game um and that i mean i don't want to say it ends up being the difference but it's a it's a difference between michigan scoring like 28 and 42 points yeah um i I thought something that was really smart uh that they did was i think they kind of uh put a lot of the game plan into trying to get up uh big early because i think that they knew that in a uh, in a game state where I I was playing from behind, they just don't know how to do that. Um, and you could really tell, like, as soon as they got down by you know more than two scores, it was like they they sort of they never really came unglued, but it was like they didn't have an answer. They didn't know how to like go faster or open things up or anything. Um, and I thought uh, on the first drive they had uh, they had that third down where they ran a sweep and. Um, that was about to be like a big, big play, uh, but an Iowa cornerback makes a really nice play and they end up punting. Um, but on the second drive on that long quorum run, uh, I, I think it, it looked like they just blocked that up really well, but I think they saw something on film and, and I'm not smart enough or good enough at extras nose to tell you what they saw, but Iowa fit that they tried, they were about to run that. Um, and they, they got some kind of, they had to like take a timeout or something. Um, but they were really like lining up to run that, um, something about like being from the right hash, um, and, and bringing JJ in and like whatever formation they used, uh, really caused Iowa to like short circuit a little bit, um, and led to that long touchdown run. And then obviously you had the, uh, the halfback swing pass the next drive. And then, you know, once it was 14, nothing, I mean, that's where the stress stopped for me. And I really felt like that was, you know, obviously it sounds, it sounds pretty, uh, simplistic to say like, Oh, you know, it was a good idea for them to score two touchdowns early, but I really felt like putting a lot of the game plan into, uh, you know, getting up early was, was huge because after that it was like, Iowa just, you know, they went away basically. Yeah. I I think that's accurate. And I would, I would offer this, like to me, the game that this most resembled was the Wisconsin game um, where we did score 38 points on what I do believe to be a very good defense. And Iowa's defense isn't that good, but like, if you compare this game to the last two Michi- games that Michigan has played, like, you know, Iowa's linebackers are good. <laughs> like they know where to be and they know they can do a lot of different things. Um, their secondary is, is quite wily. Their, their defensive line is pretty meh, but like, again, this is a better, 
Yeah, they're stout. I mean, this is a better defense than Ohio State has, certainly better than Maryland. Um, one of the better ones that Michigan has seen this year overall uh, and, and a good defense overall. And yeah, Michigan beat them down. Although, like, again, if your offense is doing nothing for you, contemporary college football, like at a certain point, the defense cannot hold no matter who you are. Um, but I, I think that, like, yeah, what's, what stands out to me, um, as as Dan said, was like uh, – there, there was a certain degree of, of canniness and, and wiliness early on. Um, and then Michigan sort of late, later as the game went on, like, you know, felt comfortable kind of running whatever, whatever they wanted, but it was like really attack the weaknesses early and you can get teams on their, on their back foot. And uh, I can't say enough good things about Gaddis. I feel like now that he's a Broyles finalist and it's been near three years, I kind of think he may be the most likely staff member to leave in the off season. I don't want that, but if he does leave, like it'll be, you know, because deservedly he's done an amazing job. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. I mean, I I hope he sticks around. And uh, given where we're at, I don't know, after the first two years of Josh Gass being here, it says a lot just that uh, I recoiled when you uh, said the possibility that he could leave this offseason. So, yeah, I mean, it was a fantastic game plan on his part. The only time where the offense wasn't clicking was during the that stalemate second quarter when it was – just a punt battle <laughs> with Michigan, uh, unfortunately pinned way back deep for most of the punt battles. So, um, yeah, there was an entire half that was spent just battling for field position. Like it was uh, world war one, but, uh, uh, the second half was, uh, I mean, Michigan cruised and, um, like Dan said, I mean, Michigan basically, yeah, they had the early stoppage, but you basically have their script drive and then a trick play. And then, like, this ball game's over. Iowa kicked a field goal, and it was like, why would you do that? <laughs> Except that you're Kirk Ferentz. <laughs> but, like, yeah. kicking a field goal to cut it to 14-3 to three was like, are, are, do you expect to have five more of those drives in you? Because, uh, like, I, in, like, a whole new defensive approach? Because that's not going to cut it. There were several times in this game that I was just yelling coward at the top of my lungs. Um, like it was, this was just one, this was one of the more cowardly performances in a title game that, you know, it felt like parents like out, out the gate just knew he couldn't win the game and didn't bother trying. Um, so, you know, I respect him, I guess, for the self-awareness, but it was, it was pretty cowardly. <laughs> I mean, prior to the last two weeks, uh, I thought Dan, you know, this has changed a little bit and this will go in our narratives that need to change segment, but um you know, Michigan had been in this special hell, as Dan described, which is we could get to 10 wins, seemingly could not do better than that, obviously couldn't beat Ohio State, blah, blah, blah. You've heard it all before. But we also like, you know, you know, it, it feels blasphemous to say this now, but like we couldn't shake things up because even if you want to get rid of Jim Harbaugh, it's like can you really get rid of a coach whose median season is 10 wins. Um, and I was in an even worse position because like what can, you can't expect as an Iowa football fan to like. <laughs> with any regularity contend for, you know, a national championship or even a big 10 championship really. Um, and Ferentz has had a number of teams that have either like, I mean, I don't know how many big 10 titles he's won or shared, but at least a couple. Right. And um, uh, you know, this guy, he won 10 games this year and you have to be happy with that. If you're an Iowa fan on the other hand, <laughs> Oh my God. You gotta like, watch that. <laughs> yeah. Cause like there just aren't, there aren't many coaches in the whole country that are like sabotaging their teams the way that Ferentz is where he has built quite a good defense and it's good year in year out and has a lot of good things going for it. And on offense, that offense just doesn't work. I mean, he's trying to run, I guess you would call it a, 
guess a pro style ball control. I don't like. Well, it's important it's to note the he guy. here because the he is Brian <laughs> Ferentz. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say like it's like Iowa. Iowa is just like so great because it's like it's like okay, like you have this very like realistic approach where it's like okay, um, we we have a talent, a distinct talent disadvantage. We're never going to be able to recruit well. You know, we're in we're in Iowa. Um, so we're going to run this, uh, this very like well-organized uh, we're, we're going to, re- we're going to recruit the types of defensive backs um, that really fit our, our uh, cover two scheme. Um, we're going to play to our strengths. We're going to dumb every game down um, and, and really like force, we're going to bet on college quarterbacks to make interceptions. And it's like really like credit to, to that defense. I mean, I know Michigan put up a lot of points, but I think we'll, we'll all agree that they did a good job holding Michigan's offense down. Um, and they've they done a good job the better of the two Iowa uh, units <laughs> for sure. Um, but they, but, but, uh, but they've done, they've done a really good job holding a lot of teams down, you know? And, uh, and, and it's like, okay, we're going to play really sound special teams. Um, and we're going to, we're going to really like, you know, rely on our home field advantage to like, you know, uh, to, to win critical games. Um, and it's like, all this stuff is like, you know, thought out really well. And it's like, and my son's going to coach the offense. <laughs> and like, <laughs> and like, that's what just all falls apart. <laughs> Cause like, there's, there's just no even attempt to make that a passable offense. It's, it was horrendous. And they, they have been horrendous all year. And it's like, they've been getting by. I'm like, well, you know, they just win games. And I'm just so glad we like exposed them for being incredibly fraudulent. And um, yeah, I don't know. It just, it, it, it does annoy me that like, you know, you look, there, there are other things about Kirk Ferentz's program that we don't have to get into that are probably not great, but it does annoy me. The that, racism. I, mean, I would say the racism, yeah, the racism is bad. Yeah. The racism is probably bad. Um, but like the, you know, there's there, it's annoying to see like an otherwise, like a program that is that there's no reason that it shouldn't be competing in the big 10 West just totally fall flat on its face in the biggest games because literally your, your son is coaching the offense. Um, and it's, I mean, like how, how, like how much work, how you, that's just like, you can't even uh, parody that because it's so ridiculous. Um, so. Yeah. And like this year's offense, especially for them, like, all the things that Iowa can sometimes do well, like recruit offensive linemen, they have one good offensive lineman and the rest are. And of course good. he's the center. So, <laughs> yeah. The, the center is, like, he is the great, most interior like, of the offensive linemen. <laughs> yeah. This isn't even like, you know, I mean, I having like, like Michigan state over the years done a good job, like finding underutilized offensive talent, especially skill talent. And, there was none of that on this Iowa team except for Goodson, who was pretty good. Um, I'll give it to him. And Sam like, Laporte at the tight end. Um, yeah, the, although, the, tight end, the tight end is pretty good. Although that was like Brian Ferentz's one idea heading into this game was like, what if we run some uh, quarterback waggle bullshit with the tight end leaking out? And that worked for some obnoxious first downs in the first half, and it was pretty much the only thing that Michigan was giving up. And then Mike McDonald adjusted at halftime and nuked it the first couple times that uh, – I would try to run it in the second half, and then they kept trying to run it. <laughs> it was like, man, <laughs> you just you just don't have any fresh ideas. Laporta had forty six yards in the first half and sixteen in the second, and it's not because yeah, no, they stopped nothing. throwing to him. And like, I I love that go Iowa awesome writer. I forget which one, but I was reading his his recap, and he said, look. No team in the country has as many one or two yard routes <laughs> as Iowa has. He's like, I will bet my life on it. And I think he's right. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it really is like just how non-threatening the offense is. You know, it's like I 
I don't know, like throw it deep. Like just if you've got an offense that bad and you can't protect, like just run some deep routes and throw it up. That Like what is the worst that's going to happen? Like you love punting, just punt with your arm. Like if you're going <laughs> to, yeah. if you're going to do that, like it's just, it's the whole thing. It was just, it was just such a cowardly game. I mean, we're, we're now getting into, we're, we're getting into like minute five of trashing Iowa, but you know, we I'm should, okay we with keep it. Going. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, and then also, by the way, like Padilla came in and was like, obviously much better than Petrus. At and least for this like, game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he was clearly better. And I was like, they started moving the ball down like pretty well. And I'm like, man, if they had him all in all game, it could have been at least like, you know, closer. Probably, he couldn't be clear, less than Alex Padilla was not good. <laughs> no, he was stretch. <laughs> he was not good, but he but he moved the offense. Like he at least I don't know. He was decisively you know throwing the ball uh, inaccurately. Well, he um, could yeah, move. I mean, they did. Which, yeah, like that's important because Aiden Hutchinson in this game, like Iowa designed their entire game plan around like Aiden Hutchinson is going to murder our tackles, which was correct. They they assessed that correctly, um, but. The answer was just like, we're going to get the ball out as quickly as possible in very predictable ways. And so Spencer Petrus was just back there getting drilled a half second after he released the ball every single time. And that had sucked because he's not fast enough to avoid that. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, it, Aiden Hutchinson was, uh, I mean, I would say he even, even though he had less sacks, uh, he was probably more impactful in this game than the Ohio State game. Um, I mean, he was just there were zero plays in which he was not completely whipping um, the guy across from him. Um, they, they had, and then they came into the game, you know, credit, I guess, to Iowa's offensive staff for knowing that they could not block him. Um, but then, you know, take all that credit away by saying like, okay, and we're not going to do anything about that. Um, we don't have any ideas for how to slow him down or anything. Um, he was, I mean, he was just pushing his man back into the quarterback. Uh, it was unbelievable. Um, it's, he, he deserved the uh, Big Ten. I was kind of worried they were just going to, like, kind of cop out and give it to, you know, the quarterback, which is what they normally do. Um, <laughs> but I'm really glad that they gave him, uh, you know, the, the championship game MVP. Um, that's awesome to see. And, Especially in a game uh, where he only had one sack. It was it was very much like a we noticed this player being dominant <laughs> instead of, like, right. we just looked at the box score and picked the guy with the biggest number. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and, yeah, so, I mean – uh, and also he's now very deservedly a Heisman finalist. Um, yeah, I think it's a really, I mean, it's going to be tough for him to, uh, to win the Heisman. Though. I mean, there's a really good group this year. Um, I think they pretty much, they, they, they you can't go wrong with anyone winning. that, <laughs> no, I know. Um, yeah. I was just, I was trying no, to make sorry. a Walker joke. <laughs> God damn it. No one, no one deserved it. Excluded. I think that's yeah, no, I know. This is like, it's just a really good group. Like fire. I think that they, yeah, <laughs> there's no way that, you know, I, I don't, I don't think they missed anyone. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's I'm glad that he's getting recognized. Well, I apologize for totally ruining that, but uh yes. <laughs> no, it's okay. I wasn't sure exactly how I was gonna land it anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> well, I face planted for you then. I'll I'll take credit for that. Um yeah, I mean, I don't know, like it doesn't feel like there's much more to say about the defense just because like you don't learn a lot from playing against Iowa's offense. Like <laughs> I don't even think there's a no offense there. Please take offense, Iowa. Please do something about that offense. It's horrifying to watch. It's it's the worst. So special teams um, is awesome. Uh, they're number one in FEI again. Uh, they had two punt coverages for uh, uh, where Iowa's returner got negative yardage because he tried to double back and ended up doubling back into a dude. Um, Brett, we mentioned earlier, Brad Robbins basically uh, helped Michigan 
stalemate the second quarter <laughs> while being pinned uh, up against uh, their their own end line. Um, and then Cornelius Johnson comes in and blocks, I believe, his second punt of the year. Um, and this one was probably even more spectacular than the first one where he laid out fully. And this one he laid out fully but had to like do a 180 spin in the air while blocking it. Um, so he's, he's the new Marquise Walker. And I know Dan is too young to get that reference, but I think, I think Connor remembers. Well, I, I do. And also my big mood a few weeks ago was that like, it says a lot about the cohesiveness of your team when your top wide receiver is blocking punts. And, uh, thank, thank you, Cornelius Johnson for underlining my very prescient <laughs> point there. Yes, very much so. Um, yeah. And I think, um, I, real quick, the, I, I do want to credit Brad Robbins for like, Against a lot of teams, um, Iowa will kind of do what they did against Michigan, where they they'll pin you back in your own it, inside your own ten, where it's really tough to run offense, um, and then they'll just keep like, you know, they're not going to really move the ball too much, but maybe they'll get like a first down, and then just gradually creep closer and closer to field goal range, and then finally kick a field goal over the course of like five drives of like winning punting battles, and. Um, Brad Robbins did not allow that to happen. Um, and that's, you know, that's a credit to him. He's been a weapon all year. Um, can't say anything more about him. He's, he's been awesome. And uh, yeah, it was cool to beat Iowa at their own game. Um, and to, uh, I'm not sure if you guys heard the radio call from Deerdorf and uh, um, gosh, other guys. Brand Statter. Brand Statter. Um, but uh, like before that first field goal, they're like, this guy's automatic, you know, like he never, and then like just <laughs> right after that, he misses and they go crazy. Um, so it was, it was fun to beat them in, in special teams too. Yeah. If I was not winning the special teams battle, um, they're in trouble. And Robbins averaged 51 yards a punt on, on five punts with a long as 64, uh, only one touchback in there. And, uh, Iowa had negative six return yards. So not bad. Not bad at all. Um, all right, we can we can move on about and, and just talk dead narratives for a moment here. Um, I can't remember who suggested this topic, but uh, I <laughs> yeah, Connor, Connor, I had a feeling. Uh, no, this, this, this was actually me. This was me, but it's okay. <laughs> oh, I, I suggested it before you did. I think we both suggested it. Um, but <laughs> I agree. I'll let, I disagree. I I'm gonna let Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let Dan address the whole, like the narratives among, uh, shall we say other big 10 fan bases in a second. But I want to open by saying that there's a lot of things among Michigan fans and the Michigan commentariat that I hope will start to die out after this season. Um, and I, I think the number one, one is just like, you, we, we gain nothing by like psyching ourselves out about like how invincible Ohio state is, how they're, you know, the, the modern spread to pass, but that level of talent is unstoppable, how they're a pro team, which is my least favorite one because the Jaguars would annihilate Ohio state. They have like, they have guys <laughs> like Ohio state stars on their bench. That's how the NFL works. But and also um, like ask, ask an Ohio state fan about how, how they're feeling about their very, you know, professional staff right now and how that's being handled. <laughs> right, and yeah. Like you'll, all you'll those... find out just how unprofessional it can yeah, be. The, the staff with their, Meyer's brother-in-law on it yeah like every you know every Ohio State coach is a genius best recruiter ever best football mind ever until they're not right and that's the like Michigan you know has a better staff than Ohio State right now overall um pretty clearly I would say and so like again I, you know Ohio State might be us next year or maybe for two years in a row or who knows what'll happen in the future but like you know Michigan should have beaten them prior to this we can go over and over again about why that hadn't quite happened until this year um but just like, 
I would say everybody just like cool it on like, you know, oh, college football is so awful now. We can't beat anybody. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're doomed. It's all so horrible. Like, I hope that you enjoy this moment and savor the feeling and let yourself get free a bit of the shackles of those uh, bad and clearly, as Michigan has shown, incorrect takes. Yeah, and I mean, I just think in terms of like, I mean, it's just so great to see like all of those kind of like infographic stats about how long Michigan's gone without winning a Big Ten title and how long it's gone, they've gone, you know, uh, not beating Ohio State and and Harbaugh losing, you know, XYZ games against like top 10 and top 25 teams and and not going to the playoff and whatever. And it's like all that's just gone. Like there's nothing, nothing anyone can say anymore. Um, and that's just so rewarding. It's so rewarding to like, you know, um, to, to, to not have to deal with that and to see the same people that have like dogged Michigan for so long have to, you know, sing our praises. And, um, you know, it's just like, it's, I, I feel like it's, it's taken a little while for a lot of, you know, MSU Twitter or whoever else to like adjust to it. Cause they keep trying to go back to like the same like things, but they just don't apply anymore. Like I've seen a lot of like Michigan states like, well, you know, it took them uh, it's like, well, uh, you know, Michigan like never wins it. Like they keep saying the same things and it's just like, it does not apply anymore. Um, and the new thing is like, you know, they're trying to be like, oh, well, it took them like, took them 17 years to like win a big 10 title. It's like, who cares? Like they, they, they won one now. Like that's all over now. Like you can't, you, you, you can't say anything anymore. It's, it's, it's over. Like the long, these people have like built their entire, you know, fandom psyche out of like on the bedrock of like Michigan, never winning anything meaningful ever again, because we went an unprecedented amount of time, you know, not winning anything. And that's all over. And like, everything's crumbling for these people. And um, especially maddening, I think, for Michigan State fans is the fact that they beat us and uh, it doesn't fucking matter at all anymore. <laughs> and no one cares. No one remembers that stupid, fluky game. Um, Michigan's clearly a better team than Michigan State. It literally does not matter at all. And, you know, like, yeah. For those for those people that like you know would say that you know we're we're mad about that game like I absolutely was mad at the time but let me make it clear I will replay this same season every year you can mm. keep Paul Bunyan in a locker yeah. like for the rest of time I don't give a shit we won the Big Ten we beat Ohio State we're going to the College Football Playoff. Paul Bunyan is a participation trophy, participation trophy. <laughs> I literally don't give a shit about him. Keep him forever, Michigan State. <laughs> you tell him, Dan. I mean, at, at like every Michigan fan feels that way, right? Like, I, I have bad news for Michigan State fans or any fans except for Ohio State fans who have plenty of bad news of their own to deal with. The bad news <laughs> is when Michigan is back at being competitive with Ohio State, all that other shit matters way less, especially Michigan State. Like, I still want to beat them. Like I still, you know, I, I, I value that game more than I value like, you know, generic replacement level game. I don't value it anywhere near I value the Ohio State <laughs> game. Yeah. I mean, like I, I don't, you know, and as Dan said, like, it just doesn't matter. And uh, we'll get this later, but like, it is pretty funny to me that like Michigan State also had a massive overachiever season and, and has a great narrative of their own this year. And nobody nationally has noticed or cared because Michigan is so good. No, we care because LSU duped him into giving Mel Tucker $95 million. Well, that's true. That's that's funny also. That's that's <laughs> the real narrative coming out of this year. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that'll go great. Uh, um, 
yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that'll go great. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's, I, I just think like, I just want to say um, congratulations to Jalen Berger, um, Wisconsin transfer running back who, uh, you know, is surely going to be like, you know, a generational talent and going to carry Mel Tucker to another winning season next year. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it's, it's extremely repeatable to have the 38th best team in SP plus um, win 10 games uh, because, and be, because you got a Heisman candidate um, out of the transfer portal. Um, that's going to go really super good next year. It's like how you can pull a, uh, a grad transfer portal portal uh, point guard onto your team every year and, and win the big 10. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's similar to that. If there was a team extremely that was repeatable, that. <laughs> but in that in, entirely hypothetical uh, scenario that I just brought up and that we well, will is, not there, be discussing. I'm, 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 I'm cutting any I'm, point I'm putting in the right We're, we are not talking hoops. <laughs> no, uh, on this. this is Alex not a hoops here. podcast. <laughs> These have been some rough weeks. I've been focused on football. Uh, we'll get to that next week. Um, I, I want to jump in and, and do one more last, one more narrative thing. Um, but this is a mea culpa on my part. I have often said that the way that Michigan teams tend to look at the end of the season, namely playing Ohio State and then losing and then limping into a bowl game, um, it reminds me of what England fans say about their soccer team, which is the weight of the England shirt, right? It's the weight of the winged helmet, where all the expectations and the history uh, and the pride and all of that become a negative for you. And it, it you know, it's, it seems to seep into your psychology. And I'm not saying that I know what's actually gone inside the head of those guys or like if that was actually a problem. But it often kind of seemed to be that like that there was there were incredibly weighty expectations that seemed to, seemed to keep coming crashing down on Michigan players. And that is no longer the case. And uh, it's no longer the case, mostly because the players, these players just don't seem burdened by any of that. They had fun this year. Um, you know, we've gone over before about how they won the offseason and the level of work and focus and cohesion that that takes. And that's all true. I think I think partly just like this team enjoys themselves. Right. Hence the hence the you kind of pump it up uh, being the soundtrack of their year. <laughs> um, they had fun doing this and they had fun even after losing eight. like the Michigan State game for all the shit we just talked. It was a heartbreak. It's a classic heartbreaker yes. game. It's a rivalry game and it's close and it's pain. It's a painful, painful loss. But this team, like, didn't skip a beat, man. I mean, they kept having fun, and they're here because of that. So, you know, all that stuff, all like, so many negative narratives will be, I think, rapidly forgotten. Like, all of the sort of late-night, you know, semi-drunken or sometimes very drunken message board debates among Michigan fans about, like, why we feel so cursed. Um, those are all, you know, at least on a, a, a hiatus for the time being, if not totally dead. And that's great. And I think that like you have to trace it all back and say like there's so many things that went into that that all dying. But it ultimately comes down to the players like the players killed those narratives. And uh, I cannot thank them enough. Yeah, no, this was uh, a remarkable group. It was um, a lot of fun to see in particular Aiden Hutchinson up on the uh, um, temporary stage after after that game was over and they split screen and his dad and uh, and his mom, too. And uh I mean, kind of to your point about like these Michigan fans or these Michigan players not feeling the the weight of the helmet as much as previous ones. Um, obviously, Cade McNamara, we we kind of know his, um, you know, what if we win all the fucking games mindset, and uh, and I think also with with Hutchinson, um, the, I, I think there might be something to the fact that you know his dad also wore that jersey and. Um, accomplished a lot in that Jersey and played for some very good teams. Um, but, you know, 
his dad is a, a human to him. He's not some, uh, you know, I mean, he might, he, he might be his hero, but he's not necessarily an idol. And, um, that's something that's somebody that he can look at and go, well, if he can do it, I mean, especially when Aiden Hudson just looks at himself physically, <laughs> like if he looks in the mirror, he goes, well, if my dad can do it, I can do it. Um, and I, I think, uh, I mean, you can't fake the level of belief that, um, those guys have shown in themselves and it is often a very tired trope in sports. It is often said about teams for which this is very much not the case, but this is a team that could really say nobody believed in us and have it be true. Uh, Cause yeah, I, I don't think anybody outside of that locker room <laughs> believed that that team could do this um, unless they were, uh, I mean, We've talked about this a lot, but you, I mean, it would it would have been a wildly unreasonable expectation. Um, but those guys knew better than anybody what they had, and knew better than anybody what they could do. And for them to come in and have this season after after last year, um, I mean, we really can't talk about it enough. I don't think, but um, it's a hell of a way to slay all these narratives. And on that note. Um, I'm not going to pretend that any of us uh, have spent a ton of time since Saturday watching Georgia. And I would guess that since uh, Georgia's average game was uh, horrible to watch in terms from an entertainment standpoint (laughs) that we haven't, uh, none of us are Bulldogs experts at the moment, but um, we can at least take an early look ahead Um, at the moment. Uh, I think this game opened up uh, with Michigan in the seven and a half to eight or to seven point underdog range. Let's move to eight. Um, Georgia is a very, very talented team um, that does not really have a weak point on their offense, except that they start Stetson Bennett, the fourth at quarterback. And while he has been um, pretty solid statistically this year, he is um, limited and Alabama very much showed those limitations um now alabama is also alabama um but the other thing is that georgia had um their uh best ed rusher adam anderson removed from the team uh for um a sexual assault charge uh after um eight games and he is still tied for their team lead in sacks they do not really have uh an edge rusher on his level so um I mean, Alabama on Saturday, uh, Bryce Young had a lot of time in the pocket to pick apart uh, that secondary, uh, which was something that hadn't really happened against Georgia all year. Um, and that that allowed Alabama to, to score in a way that, that nobody else has come close to doing against them all season. Um, but you also go back and you look at Georgia's schedule and you don't want to say they played nobody because they, they played in the SEC. Um, but uh, it wasn't the best year for high-end down uh, in the SEC. And also that uh, marquee opener against Clemson looked a lot more marquee at the time than it does now. Um, so I don't know. Like I, I still think that Georgia is the team that is more likely to win this game. Uh, at the same time, I like this coaching staff having – you know, three weeks to prep for a game against Georgia's coaching staff, which really didn't have 
a lot for Alabama that Alabama wasn't expecting as far as I could tell. Um, I don't know. I'm, I, I wouldn't say I'm feeling stunningly optimistic like I was heading into this Big Ten title game, but I, I do think Michigan very much has a shot here. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think I would – uh, I would say that you know this Georgia team has definitely been the best team in the country all year. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the, this is a uh, a generational defense, even if they didn't really look like it um, the other night against Alabama or the other day against Alabama. Um, they really tried to throw a curveball at Alabama, um, and it it went very badly. They ran a lot of. Um, I'm just, I, this is what I've just been reading from people that know more than me, um, but it seems like they ran a lot of zones that they haven't uh, previously, and you know for some reason their biggest game of the year. Um, and, uh, they, they looked really, you know, unpracticed at them. Um, so, you know, I think, I think, uh, I don't expect Michigan to be able to run the ball very effectively against this team. You know, we can get more into, um, analysis as we get closer to the game, but no, this is going to be a tough test on defense. That's really what it comes down to. I think Michigan's defense can, can hang with this offense, you know, especially since it, it hung with, you know, Ohio States, which is uh, a better offense, uh, quite frankly, but, you know, this can be a tough game. I mean, I think it's appropriate that Michigan's a seven-point um, underdog. Um, we've talked about playing with house money. Um, but, you know, it's 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 going to be a game where you really need, like, a, an A-plus game plan um, from Josh Gaddis. Um, and you really need, you know, you really need the, your, the defense to play the way it's capable of playing. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll get more into it as 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 the days. Uh, you know, let, let's let's try to just live off of the high of the Big Ten championship first for a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think uh, a couple of things that favor Michigan here, right? Um, the pressure's not on Michigan at all. Like Michigan's going to come into this game loose, and like I was saying earlier, having fun. Honestly, I think. Whereas Georgia, like, you know, Kirby Smart's not in the hot seat or anything. Obviously, after going twelve and zero until he plays face Bama, but like. Georgia fans being Georgia fans and thus having an inflated sense of the history of their program. Like, you know, they're always kind of mad at him for never winning a title or seemingly never beating Bama, which is kind of comical. How, like he just can't beat Alabama. It's, it's quite funny. Um, so, you know, the pressure's on him, the pressure's on the Georgia players. Uh, and I do think that having, you know, several multiple weeks to prepare heavily favors Michigan. And I say that because I believe in Michigan's coaching staff so much like Michigan is installed a lot of stuff over the course of the year on both offense and defense. Like the number of plays that Michigan has run competently on offense has got to just like, it's so far beyond anything we've seen under Harbaugh. It's far beyond anything we've seen at, at Michigan. I don't know, maybe since Fritz Chrysler. <laughs> like, um, it's been a long time since Michigan had a playbook to work this well um, on offense. And th- they will add more. Like that's the thing I was saying earlier. Like I know they will add interesting new stuff on offense that will, um, potentially wrong foot Georgia a few times it, regardless of how good their defense is. The problem is their defense is good enough that like, you know, when the linebackers are asked to clean things up, their linebackers will clean things up and not just like fall over like Ohio state linebackers. But um, yeah. And on defense, like, you know, McDonald's, I think he's going to do some interesting things in this game. I think you'll see him. Yes. Run a lot of the, uh, you know, four two five into a cover two that he was running against, um, Ohio state, but also like, he'll probably have six guys in the line of scrimmage again at different points and just, just see, just kind of prod Georgia and see what, what can shake them. Because I think, you know, Michigan has a great chance over the next few weeks, install a bunch of stuff, improve the stuff you already have installed and see if that, and then, you know, empty the bag and see, uh, see what works. And yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe it doesn't work and you go into the half down 21 to three or something. And then you're like, okay, but 
I, I actually, this, this Michigan team with its coaching staff and players, I think is quite well suited to a, you know, we get to add a bunch of fun tricks. We get to enjoy playing, you know, using them and we get to see, you know, go out there and see what, ha- what works. Like that's actually, that's kind of the, the way they've played all year. So that favors them at least. Yeah. And if this game turns into a, you know, kind of drag it out fight, um, if both these defenses kind of play up to their capability and these offenses have difficulties, um, Michigan had, I mean, Michigan's been in a number of those. And uh, I think, I mean, we saw Georgia be kind of surprised to get hit in the mouth by Alabama, I would say. Um, I mean, maybe Michigan takes one and uh, doesn't come back from it, but I, I kind of suspect this team is going to at least have the fight to keep it um, a relatively close game throughout. I, I, I'm not expecting a blowout in this game one way or the other, uh, even if I do think Georgia is the better team. Uh, we're going to take a quick look ahead. Um, we're not doing picks yet this week because um, we need a little, we need a little time to let this sink in and uh, look at some of these teams, especially since uh, we might be picking some games that, you know, we'll be picking some games that do not involve two big 10 teams anymore. So we're, we're not as familiar with them, but um, this is uh, the, a sort of pick segment brought to you by PointsBet. Um, download the PointsBet bet app and use the promo code BUCKETPROP to get 100% of your deposit match up to $1,000 in the form of free bets. To get that bonus, you must use the code BUCKETPROB. That is bucket, P-R-O-B, all one word. Please gamble responsibly. Set limits. Avoid chasing losses. Never bet when you can't afford to lose. Take breaks when you need it. And use the self-exclusive feature to stop yourself from betting. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, Call 1-800-GAMBLER. These standings are still pending our bowl picks because I'm going to make people do bowl picks because I'm still losing the pick standings. But um, they are nearly final. And uh, uh, I went three and three last week. Connor and Dan both went four and two because uh, I dared to go against Rocky Lombardi. And uh, once again, I regret that. I regret that deeply. I'm sorry, Rocky. You are. We tried to college you, football dude. player. Yeah. Uh, Based Rocky Lombardi. <laughs> we love you, King. <laughs> uh, once again, just owned by the King, Rock, Rocky Lombardi. So uh, instead of four and two, I went three and three. Um, I stand at 39, 33, and three. Connor is 41, 32, and three. And Dan is 41, 35, and three. So um, Connor, three up in the last column on Dan, um, one up in the loss column and two up in the wins column on B. Uh, don't make me do math right now, but Connor's winning. Um, and we've got some early bowl game lines from points bet. Um, once again, we're not picking these till later. And by later, I mean like later this month, but um, if these jump out as good early bets, and I know there is one that at least two of us are eyeing as a, an early bet that we would like to pick. Um, we will, we will note that. Um, so uh, just to run off the games that the Big Ten is involved with, um, we have Minnesota, uh, four-point favorites against West Virginia in the guaranteed rate bowl. Maryland, one-and-a-half-point underdogs against Virginia Tech in the pinstripe bowl. Purdue, three-point underdogs against Tennessee in the Music City Bowl. Michigan State, four-point underdogs against Pat Narduzzi's Pitt Panthers in the Peach Bowl. That is a New Year's Six game. Wisconsin, seven-point favorites against Arizona State in the Las Vegas Bowl. The alcohol consumption that week for that game is going to be just horrific, uh, even for Las yeah, Vegas. Yeah, that's, that's a big, like, 
that's a big like beer drinkers versus uh like vodka drinkers type. yes uh, that, that, that is the the spirit <laughs> off versus heavy beer bowl right there uh, <laughs> that's going to be fantastic uh penn state three-point favorites against arkansas in the outback bowl Iowa, two and a half point dogs against Kentucky in the Citrus Bowl. And that game is going to probably be just absolute ass. Um, and this is the one that we are eyeing Ohio State, six and a half point favorites against a Utah team that is basically Michigan West. Um, I don't know. Uh, that Rose Bowl looks like an interesting game to bet to me. And I'm sure I know it does to Connor as well. I, you should, uh, this is not financial advice, uh, and not, not gambling advice, but you should cash out all of your Vanguard index funds. And, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Don't actually do that. But, um, I actually, so I don't bet on sports, but this one is, is really tempting me because it started, it opened at Ohio state, um, you know, uh, minus 7.5. It's already moving, uh, against Ohio state. And the reason for that is that, as, as Ace said, Utah is Michigan West. They, they're a man ball team. We know that Ohio State's defense is just completely unequipped to handle man ball. And that's probably not going to change in time for a bowl game where the team is going to be demoralized, uh, depressed. And also, like, we're all sitting here waiting for Ohio State, like, have, like, nine guys sitting out of this game. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's imminent. Yeah. I, and I just, I, and there's going to be staff turn, like the staff turnover is coming. So like either you're going to have brand new coaches on the sideline or guys or worse, the fired. same coaches yeah. <laughs> yeah, guys that know they're about to get fired. Like there's just so many reasons to pick against Ohio state. And I think this will ultimately end up being like a pick them just because like, I, I would be shocked if Ohio state won this game, they could prove me wrong because they still have a very good offense, but like, Damn, that looks like good money to me. So and another reason to like the Utes in this one is uh, I know the transitive property of victories is an extremely dangerous thing to use, especially for gambling purposes. But this one is relatively straightforward. Oregon beat Ohio State, and they beat so by running all over them, much like Michigan did. Utah beat Oregon twice by a lot. They just did it again last weekend to win the Pac-12 title. It uh, this line shocked me. To, to, to see it when it came up and it feels like it is entirely based on name value and i am not surprised it is coming down um so that is one where if you want to get that pick in oh right now uh that, that seems like not a bad idea if you're inclined to play on the rose bowl um and also betting against ohio state feels fun i don't i don't want to root for them so yeah let's ride um Two more lines to look at here before we uh, end this one. Um, they are the college football playoff lines because those are extremely relevant to Michigan. Uh, Cincinnati is 13 and a half point underdog against Alabama in the Cotton Bowl, the other semifinal. Um, that one, there is a large gulf between uh, how the computers value Cincinnati and uh, relative to Alabama, um, where that looks like more of like a four to six point game, depending on where you're looking. Uh, and then obviously Vegas has it at 13 and a half. So um, they uh, Vegas seems to believe in the Alabama that we saw last weekend. And also that betters are going to look at Alabama versus Cincinnati and think blowout, which um, is probably smart on their part. And then we've I, got, I, oh yeah, sorry, Connor. Oh, I mean, uh, I think that Cincy line, I mean, again, I, it wouldn't be shocking if Alabama beat them by two touchdowns, not totally shocking, but like, I thought that's pretty good value because I think since he's way better than Vegas thinks they are, you know? Yeah. I mean, that one very much feels like a game that Vegas set anticipating 
where the bets would be coming in instead of maybe um, having it be the uh, the true measure of how good these two teams are compared to each other. And uh, that that might be useful for some people who might be uh, looking at that number and going, that's that's pretty big. Um, because if you've watched Cincy this year, that's a really good team, and that's a pretty big number. And also, yes, you may have watched Alabama beat Georgia, but if you watched that Alabama-Auburn game from the week prior, you may not be as high on the uh, Crimson Tide as uh, or Alabama LSU, Alabama, Alabama Texas A&M. Uh, you <laughs> yeah, know they lost to Texas A&M, yeah. a team that beat uh, three other SEC teams this season. Uh-huh. I yeah I think that's there's some real value there I I also want to say maybe I'm getting this in prematurely but like I kind of I kind of think Michigan State it wouldn't surprise me at all if they beat Pitt um, because I don't know that just seems like the kind of situation where Mel Tucker is going to get his guys up I also kind of I, I won't be rooting for them because I never root for Michigan State but how funny would it be if Mel Tucker's Michigan State team went 11 and two with a win over their arch rival. And won a bowl, won a prominent bowl game, and nobody noticed or cared because of Michigan. That's just too perfect. Like that storyline rules. So <laughs> I can't wait. I'm so excited because either way it goes, it's going to be funny. Because the other option is that they are facing their old defensive coordinator, um, and they have uh, Mark D'Antonio. I'm sure hanging around the office, giving them some insight into oh exactly what Pat Narduzzi likes to run, and. Uh, and they still don't do it. Um, I love it either way. I, it's great. I'm excited. And speaking of things I'm excited for, Michigan, eight-point dogs at the moment against the dogs of Georgia in the Orange Bowl, um, where, I mean, based on uh, not geography, but uh, fan interest, it seems like Michigan might have a fan advantage. Uh, that's that's certainly what the full cast seems to think. And I, I mean, they have a pretty good beat on, like, what, Southern fan bases tend to do. And uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I, 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 I need to look at Georgia a lot more closely before I, I feel at all confident saying one thing or another about this game. But eight points is a lot for a playoff game. That's all I'll say. Is everyone just too terrified to <laughs> yeah. say it? No, no. I, 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 I agree. Eight <laughs> points is a lot. Um, you know, I mean, the, the semifinals historically have been blowouts. That's the one thing I will say. That's true. Um, you know, there have, I mean, you can count on like one hand how many, I mean, the, the only one that comes to mind that was good, you had Clemson, Ohio State one year, right? And you had Georgia, Oklahoma in like 2017. Other than that, what good – I mean, you know, that's that's the one thing I would say. Um, uh, the Alabama-Michigan you know, think... State semifinal was extremely good. <laughs> but uh, I will say, you know, regardless of, of of what chance we think Michigan has, and, you know, I, I think that I, – I honestly think it's a compliment that Michigan's only, uh, you know, a seven- or eight-point dog here um, considering how good, we, you know, we, we, we thought and still believe George to be. Mm-hmm. Um I think they've got, you know, more than a puncher's chance, but I will say that, you know, as long as Michigan, uh, you know, scores a point against Georgia, they will become the second ever big 10 team um, to score in the college football playoff. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, the bar is really low for what qualifies as success here. Um, I, I <laughs> which, can't take credit. Uh, which... <laughs> I, I can't take credit for that one. That's, that's, that's a Scott Bell tweet. So, um, right. but it's still, still, still counts. Yeah, which which Big Ten team was Scott Bell thinking of that made the playoff and didn't score? I I forgot. You got to help me. Out here. <laughs> I feel like I just mentioned it, but it's already just you know it's passed me by. 
Um, I do want to note that uh, the line for Michigan-Ohio State was Ohio State favored by eight. Throwing it out there. Um, Because that's what I'm looking at right now. (laughs) And Michigan is undefeated as a dog this year. Um, And and I believe 10 and two against the spread uh, in general. So someone, someone told me it's actually 11 and two. Yeah. I was, I was counting Nebraska as a, as a loss against the spread. They've covered every game besides um, apparently Nebraska has covered at minus two and a half. So they've, they've covered every game besides Rutgers and uh, so 11 and one Michigan state, obviously, or no, they are 11 and, 11 and 2. Oh, sorry, 11 and 2. I miscounted the number of games they've played. Um, (laughs) I keep forgetting that, yeah, Michigan has played a 13th game because, you know, there was... Which is, is, by the way, uh, best in the country, so... Yeah, that's that's an astonishing record against the spread. So, if you choose to believe in that, I mean, Michigan at plus 8 seems appealing. Um, If you are terrified of Georgia, I understand. Fully. Um, So... uh, we will dig more into that matchup, obviously, over the course of the next few weeks. There will also be the return of basketball content, both to this podcast and to the, the website, because I need to write about some hoops, both just personally and uh, professionally, um, even though uh, we'll focus on women's hoops, women's hoops. They're, do- they're doing great. Um, but uh, that's all we have for this week. Uh, we are all overjoyed and also uh kind of tired because there's been a lot and a lot that we didn't necessarily expect. Um, so please uh, follow a bucket problem on Twitter, go to www.thebucketproblem.com and subscribe to the newsletter and the bonus pod- podcast. Please uh, subscribe, rate and review uh, this podcast. Uh, do your holiday shopping at homefieldapparel.com and use the promo code bucket problem on points fed. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.